From technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution, a culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and delivering the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. Today we're speaking with Dr. Harry Greenspun, the Chief Medical Officer and Partner at GuideHouse. Now let's start by discussing what trends you're seeing unfolding for the industry in 2021. Well, it's a great question. I mean, if you'd asked me in 2020 to give predictions for that year, I mean, it would have been ridiculous. I never could have predicted all the stuff that was going to happen in 2020. Uh, 2021, I hope, is a little bit easier in the sense that um, see a number of trends that are important. I think the first one is really around the surge in digital health. And you know, what we've seen with COVID, and most of my answers will be colored by COVID, um, but we've seen actually this obviously rapid move toward telehealth and accessing online services, um, which has accelerated you know, a pre-existing move toward digital. But I think the most fascinating part about this has really been the surge in digital health among older folks. Uh, you see baby boomers are you know, the fastest growing segment of the economy doing uh, online, uh, uh, online purchasing. Um, and the same is going actually for healthcare. So I think that's going to be a, a really important area. The other aspect of that is you won't see people going back. I mean, once people have been doing telehealth visits and um, you know accessing other types of, uh, of care online or using those sorts of services, um, they're not going to be interested in in going to a doctor's office and sitting around the waiting room for uh, you know for an hour and a half for their uh, seven minute appointment. So that's the first one. Um, the second one is uh, what I like to call sort of the, the past as a predictor of the future. And you know, we've seen this, uh, if you think about the economic crisis, uh, you know, 2009, um, around then, you know, we saw an industry stress dramatically. And um, what happened during that time was, uh, you know, the strong got stronger and the weak got weaker. And we're seeing probably a similar pattern emerge here. We've seen a lot of coverage of the issue of, you know, people who were economically well off actually saw their wealth grow during this time. And those who were economically vulnerable saw themselves get more vulnerable. Um, so I, I think what we'll see is, um, you know, organizations that were well-prepared going to the pandemic will emerge stronger from this. And those that were in weaker condition will wound, wind up actually uh, being more likely to be acquired. So we may see more M&A activity in those areas um, or a risk actually going out of business. So I think it'll be an interesting time here. Um, yeah, a third trend we're looking at is, you know, some of the risks and vulnerabilities that have uh, resulted from this rapid shift to the virtual world. Uh, we had people who very quickly left offices and sent home working on uh, their home computers, on their home networks. Uh, and exposed a lot of vulnerabilities uh, in terms of cybersecurity. Um, and this was exacerbated by the fact that you had people being hired who weren't going through traditional training uh, in, and wound up actually missing out on uh, some basic things for cybersecurity and, uh, and data security or, or even the physical security they had to worry about. And that resulted in a number of ransomware attacks and other sorts of attacks, um, which, uh, which really plagued this industry. And you know, I think that will actually become even worse as we move forward, given just so many people are shifting permanently to sort of work from home uh, scenario, 
uh, and also expanding the way people access their networks from different areas. Uh, so that will be something to watch. And I think the last thing that uh, we're going to be seeing is sort of this ascension and, and expansion of public health. Um, the, you know, the public health service um, and public health efforts have been underinvested in uh, for, for many, many years. If you look at um, other countries, um, you know, they often spend two to three times what we spend on public health. And what we've seen is that, you know, when you don't have public health, like you don't have much else, right? We don't have economic security, we don't have political stability. Um, so uh, I think we'll see sort of this reinvestment and expansion of our, of our public health services, um, but also the appreciation of the value that public health brings. How do you feel the new administration is going to tackle its inherited challenges as well as advancing its own healthcare agenda? Yeah, well, you know, like so many other things, this will be extremely colored by COVID. And, um, you know, I think obviously we're going through the, uh, uh, you know, vaccine distribution and testing issues and everything else like that. But I think more importantly, you know, COVID highlighted a lot of the weaknesses in our health system. And, we, you know, we talked previously about um, our public health infrastructure, but even simpler things like data management and how, you know, uh, how healthcare can become politicized. And we're going to have to address those issues in order to uh, advance a lot of the efforts that we have, because we think about um, what we're going to need to do uh, in terms of just tracking who's been vaccinated. Um, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, travel restrictions or other sort of things associated with that. So understanding, you know, in an era when we don't even have, you know, a, uh, uh, a unique patient identifier, how are we going to figure out um, how to track those kinds of things? I think the other thing that it's done um, in what the administration have to tackle is, or at least build upon, is what COVID did was really accelerate a lot of these, uh, a lot of the collaboration among our government agencies, um, but also accelerate these public-private partnerships. And you know, so we've, we've seen, you know, uh, increasing collaboration between different parts of HHS. Um, but more importantly, you know, we've seen this growth of uh, how, you know, we're going to be using uh, private pharmacies and supermarkets and other organizations to uh, administer and distribute vaccines. Um, so, uh, you know, there are a lot of things on the agenda, you know, the long-term agenda that the government's had of uh, focusing on value or, or um, handling the uninsured or improving veterans health. All these things will benefit from these increased collaborations. I think the final thing um, that the administration is really going to have to focus on is health equity. Um, and as we mentioned, you know, this, the, the pandemic really, um, uh, really highlighted, uh, you know, the, the health disparities and health equity issues where you know, the, the rush to telehealth was great for people who had broadband access and good technology at home, uh, but was really out of reach for people in communities where, uh, you know, broadband is unaffordable or completely unavailable. Um, and some of the social determinants that were important in terms of outcomes. So, you know, I think the, um, uh, the administration is going to have to look at what were some of those, um, uh, what were some of those important aspects that COVID uh, uh, you know, highlighted that were both, um, you know, weaknesses, but also strengths to build upon. Now, looking at businesses, what strategies should businesses embrace in order to thrive or even just survive going forward? So, you know, again, we've, we, we've learned some hard lessons during this time. And I think the, um, the most important 
is really about focusing on agility. And one of the things we saw in many organizations was that, um, you know, the pandemic really threw them for a loop. Many were, you know, some had disaster preparedness and other sorts of, you know, uh, uh, mass casualty responses, other things like that, but they really weren't prepared for sort of a wholesale disruption um, in how they deliver care and how their employees can operate and how their, what their patients would be expecting, what they would need. And um, you know, organizations that were able to rapidly sort of repackage what they did or, or reimagine how they worked um, were able to actually do quite well. Um, they were able to retrain folks. Um, they were able to um, uh, you know, harness a lot of the technology they put in place. Uh, and I mean, one of the most fascinating things was you know, there's a lot of coverage of uh, you know, ICUs being overwhelmed and nurses being overworked and all this kind of, um, you know, these very dramatic uh, issues going on in, in hospitals. What people didn't realize, of course, at the same time, was that lots of employees were just sitting on the bench um, because like if surgeries have been shut down and other services have been shut down. And as a result, um, it really weakened the, you know, the, the financial health of many of these organizations. So, you know, for organizations that were able to take those folks and, you know, retrain them or repurpose them and allow them to participate in different ways or to be able to, um, you know, make them able to work um, uh, in a remote setting uh, when they couldn't be in the office or find new roles for them. Those are really important. So I think this focus on agility is going to be really important. And that's going to require, um, you know, uh, not only uh, strategic changes, but also really leadership changes. Um, a lot of leaders in organizations are really not up to the task of managing a, uh, an agile and flexible workforce. Uh, many have gotten used to, you know, uh, getting incrementally better at doing the same thing. Um, I sort of liken it to, uh, you know, a, a pit crew uh, for, uh, you know, for a race, uh, you know, racing uh, car uh, pit crew where, you know, they get incrementally faster doing their one thing. Um, and what we really need is a much more flexible workforce um, that's able to roll with the punches and do different stuff um, and, uh, and succeed when, when they're thrown a new challenge. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Greenspun. Is there anything else you'd like to add? You know, I'm just, I'm really excited about, you know, some of the new opportunities that, uh, you know, that, you know, I hate to say I'm excited about COVID, but I'm, you know, I'm excited <laughs> about some of the new opportunities that are being pushed by this. Uh, particularly around the, the data analytics world. And there's going to be a lot of really interesting work done um, to understand, um, you know, what happened, what's going on, but more importantly, to use that data to predict, the, you know, to predict what might happen, either to predict future pandemics, um, but on a more granular scale, understand, you know, where are the people and what kind of care do they need and how should we be established for that? Because now we're really focusing on gathering better data and using it in a better way. Um, and that will, I think, will really improve healthcare overall. Well, Dr. G Harry Greenspun, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts by G2 Exchange Media, please visit www.fedhealthit.com and look for the podcast section at the top of the page music by Jam Studio, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated.